Join me together in our prayers so that the Lord will speak to us, open our hearts as we open scriptures. Dear God, as we open your scriptures, speak to us. Speak to our minds, but our hearts and our spirits. That we may be not only hearers of your word, but also doers of it. That we not only get inspired by the delivery, but also listen to the message and respond to the message in spite of the messenger. We thank you, O oh God, for being so close and faithful to our community during this season. Yes, there were things that happened. But you are our God and you are our Lord. And everything has a reason and we just wait and see. We thank you also for the blessings of being able to celebrate, being able to respond to you in celebration and remember the stories and remember the themes and remember all the good things that you have for us, season by season, month by month, day by day, and even hour by hour. Through Jesus Christ, we ask your illumination as we read Scripture. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, you probably know the Scripture that I'll be reading this morning. And I didn't want to shock anybody by reading something else. Because I like the story. I, I actually have a, a personal bias towards the wise men, the wise guys. Um, and as you came in today, you may have seen in the rotunda, there is a table. And I placed there part of my collection of wise guys. And, and wise, I, I didn't bring one because I couldn't find it. There is a plate in which an artist had the freedom to depict three women. I have it, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> and when I told my sister, she didn't believe it. Because she was the one who gave it to me. She didn't realize it. Uh, but these are all uh, works of folk art done by, I think all of them are by Puerto Rican artisans. And in our culture, the wise men are very, very famous and very popular. So back in 1978, actually 77, January Six of 77, I had jumped into a plane that was flying to Ohio. Actually, landed in Washington, D.C., and we drove to Ohio. And that was when I moved from Puerto Rico to the mainland to become a resident in the state of Ohio so that I can pay in-state in tuition. And we did that. My aunt and uncle lived there. But when we landed in Washington, the temperatures had shifted. San Juan was recording a temperature of 82 degrees on January the 6th. And when I landed at the Reagan Airport, now it was called National back then, uh, it, the numbers had inverted. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It was 28 degrees, and there was no gate. We had to walk out of the airplane in a ladder, one of those staircases they had. Let me tell you, when they opened that door, and I was way back, because I was a rowdy teenager, uh, they, they, that cold air hit my, it was a slap in the face. And, and I could have bought a coat in San Juan, but my aunt in Washington said, no, 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 I got one, a real good one for him up here, but I didn't have it when that door opened. <laughs> and mind you, I stepped out of that airplane for the first time in my life. I saw winter, and the trees had no leaves. And there was frozen puddles in the sidewalks. Not in the freezer, where you usually see anything frozen, where I come from. And it was a different world. My aunt kept saying, Edwin, are you okay? From the airport to her house in Silver Spring, Maryland. Edwin, are you okay? She says, yeah. 
What happened here? Uh, God left this place. The sun is on, but it's not working. I had all those images. You know what's going on. Um, so then we drove to Ohio. But then we drove to Ohio that weekend, where I was going to stay and finish my high school with my other aunt and uncle, who just celebrated their fiftieth anniversary. And uh, on the way over there, I saw my first big, huge highway sign. Never seen those. We don't allow that in the island. We have artwork in the highways, not commercialism. Uh, so I see that big, and the first thing, it's the first one that I see, it said, wise man, still seek him. Never had seen the phrase, heard the phrase before, never had even thought about that phrase before. Wise man, still seek him. And the purpose for which I have left my family and moving to Ohio, it was so that I would go into college. So wise men still seek him. It took me a while to understand it because it is not in very clear English for me at that time. <laughs> and I have to confess that I had to rem- I-, I memorized it because I didn't know what it meant. I really did not know what it meant. Uh, I-, I didn't know we called the Reyes Magos wise men in English in the first place, so I didn't know who they were talking about. See, so I was confused. Wise men still seek him, and who's him? Who's him? And since that day to this day, I collect, once I figure out what it was, <laughs> they were talking about the Regis Magos, the Magi. Oh, okay, I know about them. <laughs> and they were wise men, and yes, they were seeking him. Oh, it makes sense. Now the whole thing, it was an, what, what do we call that? An epiphany. Kind of. <laughs> I revel- now I know what it means. And since that day on, I do collect wise men art, specifically from my region, because it would be too much from all over the world. So I just limit it to artists that I kind of know and things like that. So that's why I have that collection up there. And, and the message today that we're going to, to have is going to be related to those individuals. I don't know how many there were. Do you know how, how many there were? Scripture doesn't tell us, but let's, let's find out. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 12, and it reads as follows. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the reign of King Herod. About the time some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. They have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this and was and was everyone, and so was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for this is what the prophets wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of for my people. Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I may also go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, 
and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures. They had chests with gold, with frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Not to return to Herod. So it was very interesting that these individuals from the east, they came from, who were they? Who were these people? Well, I have done a little bit of study because of my interest in, in these individuals. I have done some research about it. And there are many ideas, but the most logical and the most comprehensible and more rational that also combined with scriptures are some of the ones that I'm going to share with you. Well, first of all, we don't know how many there were. There were a whole bunch of them. And actually, to be honest with you, this was not the first time that wise men were spoken about in Scripture. Gave you a, lot, a little, little lead on that one this week. If you look in the book of Daniel, in the second chapter, in verse 48, you are going to find the famous story that when Daniel was called upon to interpret the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, did I say that right? That's a big one. King Nabu. You know who I'm talking about? King Nabu? Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah, him. King Nabu. So he, he had a very disturbing dream, and, and he called upon the wise men, the counselors, the sorcerers, these wise people from his kingdom to interpret the dream, and nobody could interpret the dream. So he called upon Daniel, who had just been brought over from Jerusalem as one of the captives for the 70-year captivity, along with three other nerds, because they were very studious people. I'm quoting a book called The Four Nerds of Babylon. <laughs> yeah. It was the three guys and Daniel. So Daniel was actually able to interpret the dream for King Nabu. And King Nabu said, you guys, you really have a hookup with God. You really know who God is because he really revealed to you the meaning of the dream. And because he has not only revealed you the dream, you have also trusted me. I'm going to give you many gifts. And God bestowed many gifts upon Daniel of grain. Also named him uh, the governor of Babylon, right? But also in verse 48 of chapter 2 says, and he named him the chief of the Magi's. Oh. So way back in the exile, Daniel is there and Daniel is the chief of the Magi's. So why were these three or these four or these 800 years later waiting for and they were able to identify the star that rose from the east, that it was the star of Jesus to be the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Why did they were seeking for that? Because 800 years later, Daniel had left the prophecies, had left the Jewish traditions, had left the wanting, had left the seeking of the Messiah's prophecies back in the college of the wise man in Babylon. So 800 years later, these individuals were watching the stars because at that time, these wise men, they were all a mix. Remember today, uh, uh, Miss Webb, in college, there was a school of science, the natural science, 
arts and science, letters, philosophy, department of this, department of biology, department of physics, they were all mixed together in one at this time in history. So if you were a good astronomer, that means that you were a good astrologer. If you were a good chemist, that means that you were a good alchemist. If you were a very good philosopher, that means that you were a very good historian. All these people were all combining the sciences and the literatures. That's why they were considered wisest in the kingdom, and they were highly respected throughout the Middle East, to the point that even when Salamat the Great was destroying Jerusalem in the year 800, defending you know the, the Arabs in the Crusades, when he came upon a particular mosaic that we're going to be seeing here, pay attention while the choir is singing, because we're going to see four paintings of the wise men that are very famous historically as they sing their anthem. They even backed off and they didn't destroy them because they recognized the college, the academics, the ranks that they had in their uniform in the mosaic in Bethlehem. They didn't touch it. It's still there to this day. You can see it. So this man had traveled. They just took a, they took a decision. First of all, they were looking for God. Yeah, they were searching. They were seeking for something. They were seeking for God's truth. These were seekers of truth. Actually, they come from a very small religion that's called Zoroastrianism. And Zoroastrianism, along with Christianity and Judaism, have a lot of very common themes, like one God. There is a resurrection. There is a Savior. There is a heaven. There is life eternal. And they belong to that small religion. So they were seekers of God's truth. And Psalm 19 tells us, the heavens declared the glory of God. And so they were looking for God's truth in the skies. Not only in the skies, but they were looking for God's truth in literature, in poetry, in other religions. They didn't care. They were hungry for the truth, and they just ate it up. They made their own decisions, obviously, individually and personally, but they were seekers of truth. These individuals were such seekers of truth that it took that they had to make a very big decision because when you are in Babylon and now something shows up in Jerusalem, it is a, probably a three- to six-month travel depending which route you take. At that time, there were no highways. At that time, it was a very risky adventure. It cost a lot of money. It, you were putting your life at risk, especially because if they were from the up, scale in society, the robbers may want to look at them and want to take whatever they have. So they had to have this image that we have of these three lonely camels with three riders on top of them. Nah. Sorry. It was a caravan. They took their goats for milk. They took men and women to build fires. They took soldiers. So it's a whole cavern. It is a big enterprise. And it was very costly to do. But they didn't care. They knew they were going to worship the king of kings. That they knew. It reminds me of what Jesus said. In Matthew 6.33, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and everything that is good in it. And then I will give everything else that, that you need. Hmm. They were seekers of truth. Secondly, when they got there, actually, you probably have heard this one. If there were three guys, they ended up in, in, in Jerusalem. But where was Jesus? Probably in Bethlehem or Nazareth. We're not sure. But they got lost. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this one. 
They got lost. You know why they got lost? Because they're men. They don't ask for directions. So <laughs> They don't ask for directions. But the prophecies, you know, in, in good priest in Jerusalem told them it's in Bethlehem, in the house of breads, where all the bakers hang out. That's where the babies are. And they went over there. They ended up over there. And what do you think they happened to them? Did they just see a baby? Did they just see Mary? Scripture tells us they saw the child on his mother's lap, right? But what did they see? Some of you have been at a restaurant for many, many years, and you go to it in that place every to stir fried like some people here do. And one day, this man who goes to the restaurant for 25 years, he's sitting there, and he, the, the waiter brings and he brings the soup. And the customer says, come back, come back, come back, please. The waiter comes back, you know, and says, what's wrong? He says, can you please taste the soup? And the waiter is kind of taken back, you know, and a little bit upset. He says, what do you mean take, taste the soup? So the waiter is going to grab the dish where the soup is laid on to take it away and substitute the soup. But the says, no, 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 leave the soup here. I want you to taste the soup. Sir, buddy, there's something wrong with the soup. I'll take it away. And the guy's going to take away the soup. No, leave the soup bowl there. I want you to please taste the soup. And the waiter just, I guess I better do it or else I'm going to get fired. This guy's been coming here for 25 years. You know, he's a VIP customer. So when that guy is going to taste the soup, he asks the customer, but where's the spoon? Aha! Bring me a spoon. The waiter couldn't taste the soup because there was no spoon. It took the waiter an epiphany to figure out what was going on. That's a very light word of the use of the word epiphany. The word epiphany today is used to show something that's just, oh, I got it, right? Have a new, fresh insight, new information, something that's come up, you know, new that you were not aware of, that changes a little bit of your thinking. But I don't think that is the true essence of the word as we find it in the story. Because something happened to those men when they knelt down at the feet of that lady and that child and they worshiped Jesus. Something happened to them. You see, they have had an encounter with God indirectly through the sciences of the stars. They had an encounter with God indirectly through the prophecies. But now, they had a real encounter with God. And the word epiphany means it is the revelation of Christ. So somehow in that time lapse, that baby Jesus, something must have happened in that place that they not only saw the baby Jesus, but they saw the Christ. That's an epiphany. Actually, and it was a very personal encounter with God God's self, with Emmanuel, God here with us. The amazing thing about it, that not only did they see the light, and they finally realized, oh my God, we've been searching for the truth. Here it is, the truth. They were given that special, and guess what? They were sorcerers. They were magicians. They were Gentiles. They were past oppressors. If somebody had a long memory. And yet, God chose to reveal the Christ to these individuals. That was an epiphany. Now, 
they also had something that we kind of read in the story and we kind of gloss over. And it's that last section. Because when they saw Jesus, they also saw God. And they did not go back to Herod because God spoke to them in a dream. So now they had a second personal encounter. Not only was the, did they had an indirect encounter through science and nature and literature and stuff, but now and then they had that personal encounter with a baby as the baby was revealed to be the Christ. But now they have a second encounter where Jesus, where God himself is talking to them. And he's taking care of them. And he's going to guide them not through the trap that this other guy had planned. But he's actually left them. Now what happened to these people? How did they respond? What happened to this individual? The text tells us that they went back to their land. And it's possible. Tradition, and, and, and I want to emphasize tradition. The stories of the wise men say that they did go back, but they left their kingdom. They left their Position. By the way, they were not kings. The whole idea of them being kings is because in the Middle Ages, every holy figure was depicted and painted with a crown. So all the Marys had crowns. The lepers had crowns. <laughs> if you were a Bible story character, you had a crown in the Middle Ages. So they weren't really kings. They were just very intellectual, wise people. The story says that they went and they abandoned their positions because they had the truth. They had no more to search for it. They have found it. It was in their hearts. It was in their lives. It had changed their lives. This epiphany was one that not, not only gave them new information and fresh data, but it transformed their thinking. It transformed their living. It transformed the way they were going to behave from now on. And the story says that they actually ended up in what today is called that northwestern part of Pakistan, Afghanistan, and India. Because when in the 1600 missionaries, monks from Ireland, went all the way over there, they found a tradition of the four. What? Well, the people talk, spoke about four wise men that came from Jerusalem to tell about the story of the Messiah. And that tradition was in that region. For a long time, it was there. And they took them to the burial places where they, the wise men were supposedly buried. Hundreds of years later, and these missionaries went ahead and took the, the, the relics, the bones, and they took them to Germany. And that picture that you have there on the screen is a picture of the reliquarium. That means the place that holds the relics. There's supposed to be three skulls in there. <laughs> Who knows? But they did something different. They didn't just go back and cuddled up by the fireplace like we're planning to do this weekend? Yes. Yeah. That's not bad. They didn't just go back to their normal life. Their lives were changed because they did something that they were compelled to do. They believed. They believed. They believed the stars was taking them to the king of kings. They believed that taking a risk to go worship the king of kings was worthwhile. They believed that offering gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh, myrrh, which was 80 times more valuable than gold, was worthwhile purchasing those expensive gifts for this amazing king that was being born. They believed what they saw was the Messiah, and they shared what they believed. They went out and they told other people. They responded to God in faith. They responded to God in faith because they believed. They had the faith that they knew that God was speaking to them, and they followed. They had the faith that God was leading them to a, the truth that they were seekers of, and they found it. And once they found that which they were seeking with all their hearts, with all their mind and all their efforts, they received it, and they shared it with others. You see, these stories that we come and listen year by year, every Advent, every Christmas... We come and sit and listen to the same old stories. And for how many of you, how many of you good old Christian women and men here, how many of you do these stories get old? They don't, right? They don't. You know why? Because they were written. They were written so that you and I may continue to believe. And that's why we recite them every year. That's why we have this custom of celebrating because we are reminded every year that these stories have been written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Our Savior. And that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. Is that what's happening every time you come here to receive the stories again? Are you getting new life and power to go out there and change that world? Or are we just getting another Christmas story, another year, and we cozy up and lock our doors and forget about the world? There's a world out there in pain that loves to celebrate but without any purpose or real meaning. They don't know what they're celebrating. And some would like to celebrate in a place like this, but they have been messed up and hurt in their hearts and lives that they don't want to touch a church. I've been there. In my daughter's graduation, I finished with this one. There was a lady sitting next to me, and, and once she, I, she mentioned religious words, we identify as Christians, and the lady said in the conversation, do you go to church? I asked her. I wasn't going to invite her. She lives in Miami. But I was going to invite her to my daughter's church. Said, oh, no, no, she said. Just like that. Oh, no, no, no. Like, oh, my God, I just mentioned the devil. And... You know, and she and I said, why? You can lose your faith in those places. You can lose your faith in those places. Then the ceremony began, thank God. The graduation. But that's how they are out there. They're hurt. They're seeking. They have found something. But they don't enjoy the fellowship the love, the companionship, the support that we give to one another here at Ladder Hope. These things were written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing that he is, you may have life and power in his name. Amen.